So th this morning is, is going to be a bit of a continuation. Uh, John said something last week that I thought was uh, really profound, and it's the truth from, from our scriptures that he said, you know, what if we believed um, in someone and who they're supposed to become as opposed to where they are right now? And I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. You know, Jesus, you know, he looked at his disciples, and he knew who they were going to come after the encounter, not who they were as they were deserting him. And, and uh, that, I, so I just want to spend some time just like really un unpacking that and, and, and letting that affect our relationships, uh, letting that affect uh, how we interact with this world because so often we're going to see things in this life uh, that, that we know could be better. But what do we do with that? You know, when, when, we, when we see our spouse and we see our kids or we see our coworkers, our friends for who they can become and, yet, and it's not yet realized, you know, and, and that, that distance sometimes can create space that we have, we have opportunity to fill with whatever we want. And, and, and if you're anything like me, sometimes that experience can be discouraging or despairing or disappointing. We just give up. And so I want, I want this message to pull in from what John was revealing and help us to be resilient in our relationships, help us to pull heaven to earth, help us to be full at all times, and even know how it is that we can work this out over time, how we can actually pull heaven to earth. Does that sound like fun? Yeah. We're going to have some fun. All right, so it is true that, that we have uh, great power um, in how we perceive one another and how we perceive God, how we perceive ourselves. Um, some of you may or may not remember this, but there was a book, and this is going to be kind of, kind of dark for a second. There was a book that came out in the 60s called In Cold Blood by an author named Truman Capote. And uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, reenacted the character about 10, 15 years ago in, the, in a movie of the same name. And, uh, and it was about this true life event of a reporter who went to go investigate why this, this, this man uh, and, uh, walked into a farmhouse, I think in Kansas, and killed a whole family. And, uh, and so he was getting to know the, the criminal who had done this. And uh, in the course of knowing the guy, he, he's like, he's just a normal guy. He's like a scared kid almost. And like, so finally he got to the point where trust enough was built. And he just laid out the question like, you know, what happened? Like, why'd you do that? And it was such a shocking event. And it, it, it breaks my heart to hear this. But, you know, the, but the man said that, you know, I walked in there just, you know, just intending to like take some things. Um, and I had a shotgun. And, you know, I, I, I just was holding the family hostage, you know, and the father looked at me like I was a killer. And so I became one. Ah, oh, and just hear that. You know, he, he, this, this guy just didn't know who he was. The power that we have to project upon another is, is, is incredible. I'm going to go through some scriptures to help you guys, like, root this. What you all perceive about yourself and one another and God is vastly important to the, your own health, you know, uh, to bring in heaven to earth, and, but also our, our community around us. You guys have the power of life and death in the tongue and in how you see one another. All right, so if, if you guys remember the um, initial account of uh, a creation in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God lays out in Genesis 2, you know, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll go there. Um, so open up your scriptures if you wouldn't mind. And he shows us in, in chapter 2, uh, he took the, the man in the garden, and he, uh, in verse 15 of chapter 2, placed him in the garden of Eden to work on it and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free 
to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. <laughs> okay. So, you know, just imagine that you're there, if you would, for a second. And God's showing you around, and he's like, there's these trees right here, there's these trees right here, and they do this and they do that. That one, <laughs> it'll kill you, <laughs> all right? All right, so, you know, just imagine what visceral affection or effect it will have upon you when, when God, you know, or a dear friend, a loved one, says to you, hey, that, that thing is going to kill you if you eat it. So if you look at that, how would you look upon that fruit? You know, would you, would you look upon it with a little bit of trepidation, or would you like, oh, you know, and how we, how Adam and Eve looked about that is, is really important. Uh, we see later on in the temptation how the serpent comes and is talking to Eve, and says the woman, you know, in uh, chapter 3, uh, you know, says, you know, we, we may not eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. We may be, eat from all of them, but we may not uh, eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. For God said, you must not eat of it or touch it. You will certainly die. The serpent said, no, you will not die. In fact, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful or beautiful to look at and was desirable for obtaining wisdom. The power of perception is amazing. All right, you know, if, if Eve, if Adam had fixed their eyes upon that fruit and saw it as, as disgusting, as like, oh, that's death. Oh, that's going to do something bad to me. And stayed fixed upon that. We may not have had, you know, the fall. We, we may not have had a, a completely different world. But instead, they're like, that's beautiful. Looks amazing. I love that, you know. It's good for wisdom. They changed their perception on that. We know that a lot of it had to do with identity and those kind of things. Uh, out of that place of identity came a change of perception, a change of how we viewed something. Later on, we see this played out. Let's find it. Second Samuel 22. Yep, this is good. Okay, so this, this principle that what we and how we see something affects our inner world and those things around us and even our perception of God is throughout the course of, of history. Um, Cain, when he saw that God was more pleased with Abel's sacrifice, he stayed fixed on that and therefore sin as opposed to what God was saying and therefore let sin overtake him. He stayed fixed on that one thing. And so David, he has this song of thanksgiving in, in 2 Samuel 22 after, uh, you know, he's inherited the kingship. He's, he's, you know, been steadfast and faithful throughout all the trials of Saul. And he's given, therefore, you know, now the, the kingship. And in verse 26 of 2 Samuel chapter 22, I, I want you guys to, to really go there if you haven't. I want to take the time to look at this. 2 Samuel 22, verse 26. With the faithful, you prove yourself faithful. With the blameless man, you prove yourself blameless. With the pure, you prove yourself pure. But with the crooked, you, and there's another translation that says like this, you seem to show yourself shrewd or, you know, even in some ways as, as terrible or, or frightful. There's different translations for that. What was coming out of a person's heart 
affected the way that they saw God. You guys see that? So, you know, with, with the pure, you're pure. However, when, when we take what's on our heart and we look at God from a wicked perspective, we think of God, God who's pure, God who's innocent, God is good, God who created all these things as, as evil, as, as wrong. And, that, and that, that's, that affects everything in our life. And so this principle is laid out in Scripture, and the effect of it is like a domino effect throughout the course of history, and it affects our relationships. And so we have this statement, you know, that you know, how you perceive another, if, if you can believe in faith for another, you know, as opposed to where they are, then can we see revival change? Can we, can we see the effect that it has? And, and that's true. It, it, it's something that we can also begin to, to re- relate to and to realize. And you guys know this from your own life. Um, you guys have had times in your life where, um, where you're, you're interacting with God and you feel like maybe he's distant or there's been you know, certain things that, that come up in your prayer time where you feel anxious around him. You feel like he's not there. Like he doesn't care. And you're like, where did that come from? And you just had this dawning realization like, wait a second, like, like, that's not true of scripture. Why do I feel that way? And then you can remember back a time where maybe your father was distant or did something bad to you or, or, or a mother or, and, and you recognize that there are certain wounds that cause the belief pattern within you that have caused you to see God differently. You, you know this is true. If you've been married long enough, sometimes you're like, well, I'm treating you, I feel like I'm being treated to you like, like my parents would treat me. Why is that? That's kind of weird. And, and we have these lingering things that, that kind of get in our, you know, our perspective, get in our eye. And so Jesus would then say, you know, be careful how you judge. So it will be judged to you. And, and so the principle he's, he's, he's obviously developing is that, you know, be careful what you believe and say because then it will be locked in place for you as well. And so he says, therefore, if you see a speck in your brother's eye, first remove the plank in your own eye because of this principle that's out there. You know, uh, Eve, Adam, hey, listen, like, you know, you, you think that this tree is good. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's good, but, but remember what God said. So remove the plank first and then see it with correct perception of, of, of what's going on. And then you'll know how to remove it in your brother or sister, and you'll, you'll know how to have, receive healing because you received healing yourself in this area. And so we, we have this understanding now from Scripture that what reality is dependent upon how we believe. And, and that doesn't mean uh, authoritatively we have the power to control ultimate reality. That, that's not true. God has ultimate reality. God's the ultimate judge. How he sees is perfect in all the times. But we do have the effect of how it affects us and how it affects others. You know, we can look at someone and say, I think that you're, you're a mean person. And, and, and it's hard for a person walking in that neighborhood or walking in that that coffee shop, you can feel that when you walk in there. You can say, like, you know, you, a person kind of gives you a funny look, and you're like, gosh, what did I do? You know, our immediate thought is, like, did I do something wrong? You know, maybe that, you know, you walk in after a day, you know, um, away if, you're, if your parents um, and, uh, you know, your, your husband, and, uh, and, you, and you just see this look on your wife's face, like, you know, because this never happens to us. Um, like, <laughs> like, and, and and your first response was like, what did I do? It's like, it's not about you. It was just a hard day. But you feel that when you first walk in. Or maybe your, your boss has had that kind of day where they get some results and they're just down. And you just happen to walk into their office, went into her office at that time. And she just looks at you just like, oh. and you're like, am I a disappointment? Am I, am I a failure? So you guys know the principle of what we're talking about here. 
So we have to be careful for how we, we change our, uh, our perceptions. We, we have to be careful with how we view things. And so that's why when we uh, encounter the scriptures, we, we look at these and we, we, we go through them and we, we carefully read them. We carefully let the Holy Spirit bring up anything in these that, that are just different you know, than, than me, uh, different than who I say I am. And so, you know, one of the things that you know, we, we picked up on in worship this morning was that, you know, God sees, you know, we, we, we see God and, and God sees us, but then we get different layers of it over the course of time. And one thing that, that was on my heart just to reveal, just to, to speak right now to you all, is that God sees you. I just want to, like, say that God, God sees you right where you are. He sees you and he knows you, um, and, and he knows you through and through. There's things that you do in secret. There's things that you do to people that no one sees what is going on in your heart, and you often feel maybe misunderstood or not seen. God does see you, and he knows the intentions of your heart, and, and he knows what you're trying to do is good. Um, in particular, there was one uh, young woman in here who's been waiting for a phone call, and uh, that phone call, uh, you know, in it, 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 holds, it holds so much to you, but it, it's delaying you know, and, and so you've been waiting, you've been feeling like you're, you're, you're not being heard, you've been feeling like, you know, like that, that the things that are important to you aren't important to anyone else. The phone is ringing right now, and Jesus wants to talk with you. And, and, and I, I, that's just a word for someone in here, but it's a word for all of us at all times. Like, like Jesus wants to have a conversation with you. He, he wants you to know that you're being seen. He wants you to know that you're heard, that what is in your heart is truly beautiful and really, really important to him. I'm going to keep on going with this. Um, so the, uh, the, the principle that we see worked out over the course of time is that as, as that log is removed from us, we receive, therefore, proper perspective. We know now who we are. We see God in a fresh way. And now we can give that away to another person. Um, and and that's, that's, that's the challenge for this. Um, that's the challenge for all of our lives. And so we're all in process. We are a church body here at the gate, especially, that, that we want all of it. We want all of God's kingdom. We want everything. We want to settle for anything in this world. And so we, we are going after heights. We are going after seeing things that, that, you know, that Jesus himself saw and said that there's greater things, that there's more. Keep on going with that. And so what we're going to encounter along the way is, well, I've never seen that. Or that, that can't be true because I haven't experienced that. And so we have, we have to do the initial heart work of acknowledging those, those planks at times. We have to do the, the heart work of saying, I don't, I don't believe this, but, but you do, so help me with this. And so we, we have to not be discouraged by that, but keep on going and going and going. And so I, I want to point out, um, Paul picks this up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, uh, and Paul, you know, talking about a, a, a turn of events, Paul was one where he was convinced through and through that Jesus was a heretic and that those that followed him were walking that heresy and were blaspheming God and so therefore deserving of death. That's a powerful perspective, right? I mean, you know, imagine walking into a room and you look at someone and they're looking at you like, I deserve to kill you. Elizabeth and I, we got to go to Beirut in Lebanon a few years ago and minister to a wonderful church there. And, uh, and on the first day that we were there, um, I was able to, to speak and preach there. Uh, and before getting up, there was a, a man who had a cast on. And, uh, and he was, um, you know, an Arab man and spoke, um, you know, uh, Arabic. And, and so I, I, I didn't know what, you know, I, so I started just talking to him through the interpreter. And I, just, I just wanted to pray for his leg. You know, that's the main thing. I just, that's, that's it, you know. And so I got a chance to pray for him. And then I was like, all right, I got to run and, and preach. Uh, after the sermon, he came up and he said that, you know, when I prayed that he felt power go through him 
and, uh, and that, that, you know, his leg felt better. And he had this huge cast on him. He's like, will you please come to my house because uh, I've got a, a neighbor of mine um, who has a broken back and I want you to pray for him. And so the next day we did, um, the man that we had prayed for, we, we prayed for him afresh and his leg was totally healed. It was awesome. Um, this man uh, that we got a chance to pray for, um, he was a Muslim man and his name was Muhammad, Muhammad, Muhammad. And, you know, <laughs> you know, my, uh, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was a dear man, you know, such a, such a dear man. Uh, he had fallen out of a tree picking uh, cherries, if I remember right, um, and, uh, and he was a Syrian refugee, so he had no rights, and so there was no, no medical care for him, and his back was broken, and he was going to be paralyzed, and he was in excruciating pain, and so uh, we began, the, the team that were there were just to, to pray over him and minister to him. I started sharing the gospel. Well, there was another gentleman in the room that was there, and he was there to visit the family because there was a, a death in the family. He was an ISIS uh, government official. And this is a few years ago, so there was a, a war going on, right? And, and we in the States, we see on television, you know, ISIS, you know, and, and it creates fear and, you know, like bad stuff. And, and, uh, and so, um, you know, the power of perception is a really, really big deal. I had no idea who he was from, but I had love in my heart. So I start sharing the gospel with him, you know, Jesus gives us grace, you know, you don't have to earn you know, this, you know, he, he loves us dearly, and watch, he's gonna heal this man, and you're gonna see the power of God released to him. The point is, is that I didn't see him as uh, an evil, you know, person wanting to kill, although that was in his heart towards our country. Through that, in time, we didn't, we didn't see it happen. As soon as he left, Muhammad's back got totally healed. His, you know, he got saved, it was, it was awesome, it was amazing. He came to know Jesus, he gave his life. Um, his wife also began coming into church. And that ISIS man was going to go back to Syria now with a testament that Jesus Christ heals and that he saves. The, the power that we have of perception is a really big deal. There are others on our team member who are wonderful, godly people, but it was a fearful thing to recognize that this is our enemy, you know? If we see them as an enemy, we see them as a bad person, we see them as an evil person, then, then that's gonna create an automatic barrier. We're not gonna wanna share love with someone that we see as an enemy. And it would have been powerful for me if I would have thought of that guy also looking at me like he wants to kill me and paid attention to that as opposed to pay attention to who Jesus says that I am and who am I supposed to give to another. These affect, these are life and death things, folks. You know, it doesn't seem that way when we go and, and get groceries or we go to work every single day that we have that intensity of life, but it, it actually is true. You know, we, we don't, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so the people that you're encountering every day uh, throughout life go supercharged to give this to them at all times. And so the power to perceive is a big deal with that. I want us to go, okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul, again, he's got this, this funny perspective on things, uh, starting in verse 11. Uh, yeah, so here we go. Therefore, because we know the fear of God, we seek to persuade people. We are completely open before God. And I hope that we are completely open to your consciences as well. So first of all, pause. When, when God is ministering to someone, I'm sorry, when Paul is ministering to someone here, he's given us a bit of a clue and a bit of a key of how he does it. He does so open to God, who is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm with you, my son is with you, I'm always gonna be with you, you're never gonna die, go with peace, go with joy, go my son, go my daughter, all that you do is good in me, all that you do is wonderful in me. Open to God at all times. We are not committing ourselves to you again, so I'm not doing this for you to give back to me glory or praise. I'm doing this because my, my, my Father's with me, and all that I do in Him is pleasing. 
You guys know that, right? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's in you now. So all that you do in faith in him is pleasing. And so I'm, I'm not committing myself to you or anyone else. I'm, I'm just doing it to God. And, and he's saying that I'm pleasing. So I'm walking away. I'm walking into every situation pleasing at all times. And I keep that before me. This is wonderful. Lord, I just release this love. But not, because as soon as we begin to think, all right, what is this person thinking about me? Then we take our attention away from here. How many of you can pay attention to two different things at one time? Seriously. Anybody? Yes, Kelly. You're amazing. She's truly a multitasker. It's not, it's not real. You know, uh, researchers in Australia, this is a few years ago, I was doing research on my counseling degree, and they've shown that multitasking is, is a myth. Like, we, we're not able to focus truly on, on split things. You know, you know, Jesus said, you know, careful how you listen. Like, you know, bless is the eye that's single. You know, really we can focus on one thing at a time. And so if, if Paul is thinking about how you're going to react to me, then he's no longer focusing on how he is with God. And so we, we keep our heart, we keep our spirit focused on him at all times. And so we feel his pleasure with this. So again, he goes on to say, uh, but, 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 we are not committing ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you may have a reply for those who take pride in the overhoured appearance rather than in the, rather than the heart. For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we have a sound mind, it is for you. So Paul's essentially saying, you know, I don't care how you guys think I act, you know, whether it's crazy or not. At some point, he would, be, he would come before them in such power that he was trembling, in fear and trembling. Like, that's a literal verse. He was, he, was, he was acting so weird because he was so filled with love and power of God that he would tremble before them and unable almost to talk. You know, that, that's the power of God. So uh, I don't care, you know, what you guys think necessarily about that. For Christ's Christ love compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way or according to the flesh, as some translation will say. That, that is a profound statement. So I just want to pause on that. Verse 16, from now on, we do not know anyone in, a, in accordance to the flesh. So I'm no longer going to consider you according to sin, to evil, to anger, to fear, to evil, to enemy to the other than different than whatever you want to do to fill in the gap I'm no longer going to consider you according to that any longer and so, so imagine what you'd feel like in the presence of Paul as he's just looking at you without seeing any flaw in you he's just as looking at you as like oh that's my son perfect oh look at her look at how wonderful they are I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to consider you according to the flesh, according to the, your, your, your human nature any longer. And have our eyes fully on that reality because Christ died for all, for all. Not everyone may receive him, but for all. And so there's no enemy that's out there any longer. There isn't. There, there's an enemy in the spirit. We get that, but not in flesh and blood. And so every person that we see, everywhere we go, we can give them a window of how their father looks at them, but you all looking at them in that way. Oh, man, how refreshing would it be when, when at the end of a day, you know, we have a friend, we have a spouse, we, we have, a, you know, a, a parent or a child, and we come home to, and they just look at us like, oh, it's not going to happen all the time, and so we're going to get to that in a second, but just what a gift that you can give to that person, just like unfiltered delight, like un, you know, hindered hope for them. I, I, I believe the absolute best in you at all times. That's what Paul is saying is our reality. I mean, so, so picture this then. Jesus, who's God, would have walked in that same way. And what, what, you know, Paul is working out himself is that this is how Jesus viewed the world. 
And, and so when we read Jesus in the scriptures, when we read about the things that he'll say that sometimes seem you know, difficult or challenging, do so with the lens that he is looking at you without fault. He's looking at you without sin. And so it makes sense of certain statements like the adulterous woman or like the woman at the well. You know, uh, is there anyone else that wants to cast a stone on you? No, that's right. I see, I see all of who you are. It's beautiful, it's wonderful. That's the power, that's a gift that you have, friends. You know, and, and you have it, and it is a power. Yeah. We're gonna keep on going, all right? Isaiah 32, and then we're going on a bit of a treasure hunt, and the scriptures are a treasure of all this stuff. Isaiah 32. You guys wanna take a moment to get there? This is also really powerful, this is good stuff. Um, Isaiah, are you guys tracking? Are you guys good? Yeah. Is this fun? Yeah. You guys see the power that you have? Yeah. You can see what Jesus has done for you? And the, the, the worship, it was so powerful that the song, um, I'm not sure who was singing it, was, uh, you know, uh, I, I see your eyes, you know, with love, and, and, and I see your eyes looking at me. When the eyes of the Father, when, you, when the eyes of Jesus are looking at you, they, they are without, without any reservation. They, they, are, they are not looking at any sin. They are purely looking at you with love. He's already taken care of it. So he's looking at you with unfiltered access of love at all times. You know, what does that look like? Oh. There's compassion, there's sweetness. Nothing gets in the way of that gaze. Nothing is hidden from God's face. In the Old Testament, it was like, you know, God hides his face for, for a lot of different reasons. You know, that face is no longer hidden. And the, and the, the face of God is, is, is delighting. It's, 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 it's amazing. When, um, you know, I've got a friend of mine who's got a son who's got Downs. And, uh, and, and when, when Kaden looks um, at, at people, it's like, he just, he lights up. He's like, oh. You know, and, and you feel that love, and you just, you're just like, oh, that makes me feel so good. And, you know, just to be around that, I'm going to say something that might challenge you what, what you guys have to think. What if the God, what, what the, the, the face of God was so, was so open like that, that sometimes, like, that, that, that his look was so guileless that it was like that? You know, that, that, that it was so unhidden that he could look at you with nothing of his own facial expression, nothing of his heart at all hidden from you, and it's pure delight. This is why I think that some people look at the face of God and, and can't, can't survive because they see that, that you're worth it. Like, you're so beautiful to him. And that beauty is like scares us. You know, that, that love, oh my gosh, do you really love that? Do you have any idea? So but like, I think that's why in the past, it's like if we saw the face of God, we're like, I can't handle that. You know, I, I can't, but now we can because of Christ in us. Isaiah 32. Indeed, a king, Jesus, this is a prophecy, okay? So Isaiah, he, he prophesies, he's a prophet. You know, he, he says things that will come to pass and that will come to pass and they have come to pass. So he, he says many things. It's just, I love this book of Isaiah. Verse 30, it's chapter 32, verse one. Indeed, a king will reign righteously and rulers will rule justly. So some translations will say, and princes will rule rightly or rule justly. That's us. So there's a king, and then the king's princes and princesses, right? That's, that's all of us. Uh, we'll rule justly. Okay, so there's the king, and then we line up with him. And so then out of the king, now we have righteousness, and we can rule justly. We can, we can live rightly. We can hide nothing of our own selves. We can let our emotions be totally open. All right, we can get to what happens when we get hurt in a second. But just for now, go with me. We, we can live right now with emotions that are completely unfiltered and, and fully embrace people, you know, fully let them know our love each will be like a shelter so this is you this is your identity each of you are a shelter from the wind each of you are a refuge from the rain each of you are like streams of water in a dry land each of you are like the shade of a massive rock in an arid or desert land and then this 
This is the power of what you guys give. Then the eyes of those who see will not be closed, or then the eyes of those who see who are not closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. You have the power to open eyes and open ears. The reckless mind will gain knowledge, and the stammering tongue will speak calmly and fluently. A fool will no longer be called a noble, nor a scoundrel said to be important. I like the way that the New Living Translation says it like this. Uh, Even the hotheads will be full of sense and understanding. Those who stammer will speak out plainly. In that day, ungodly fools will not be heroes. Scoundrels will not be respected. And so we come in contact with some of that. In the past, for whatever reason, they were, they were jerks. You know, they were, the, they, they could give jerkish attitudes. They, um, they, they treated us poorly. You know, they, they were hotheads. We come into their contact now and into the presence now as righteous ones, and they change. Something in them is different because they've been in contact with one who is giving them honor, giving them respect, giving them blessing, helping them to see who they are in Christ, and they change. That's... That's the that's word of the Lord for you all. You're the light of the world. You help people to see, see who they are, see who your, their God is. And so according to the word of God, in connection now with Jesus, you have the power for those that have eyes and ears to bring them into an awareness of rightness, of justice, of, of goodness, of love, and of life. That's in you now. You see how powerful you are as people. Do you see how strong your capacity is to affect things? There's one man that might, you might look at them, you know, like a, a person might look at them and say, oh, they're, they're a killer. And, and that affects them. You had the power to look at them and say, you're a life giver. You, you are a hopeful person. All that you do in life is prosperous. You'll judge correctly. You've got that in you. Oh, man, and how oftentimes we don't hear those voices. You know, maybe we're too shy. Maybe we've had parents that didn't know how to say these things, and so we don't feel equipped. You know, everything that you say, every action, every hug, every prayer, everything that you do in that has the power to open up eyes and ears and affect the world. And so that's, that's the setup. So that's why when John says, you know, believe in, and this is what, you know, it's, it's, it's the actions of Jesus, this is where John's bringing it from, you know, the, the ability for us to see them for who they are meant to be, who, who they are becoming, and instead of who they are, has the power to, to change a city, a, a nation, a family, the world. You know, we are the light of the world. This is how it happens. We, we fix our minds on Christ. We, we fix our focus on opening ourselves up to him and who that person is supposed to be. And we do not budge on that ever, no matter what. We never relent on letting that person know the fullness of who they are in God at any time. We, we, we fix it in there. And then that's going to be tested. That's going to be tried. So, you know, it, we, we, we receive a word. Maybe you're praying about someone and you see that that person has a calling or destiny that, that they've never seen before. So you begin to speak it to them. You begin to pray it to them. And then you just begin to tell it to them all the time. And maybe they don't yet have faith to believe it for themselves. But you have faith for them. That's why it's been given to you first. You know, how many do you guys know, like, how much do you guys know this, that, um, that who you are today is because of someone else's faith? Right? The faith of Christ, obviously, the faith of Jesus first. And then pass it on, you had a mother that was praying for you for a long time. That was my case. You know, I had a mother and a group of her friends that prayed me out of hell, you know, out of darkness. They, they just kept on believing. They just kept on believing. They kept on believing. They kept on seeing it. They kept on seeing it. And they're like, oh. And then finally, it, it took hold. 
You know, that's what you guys have. Do not give up. Relentlessly pursue it because you have been given those words. You have been given that faith because that person doesn't yet have it. But they will because you see it. Because it's in your faith that it happens. Keep after this. Okay, so another way of saying it, Hebrews 11.1 1 is, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's what the, the King James and others translate it. Uh, faith is the substance. Okay, the, the word in the Greek is, is hypostasis. Uh, stasis is like a, a, a state of being. It's like it's there. Hupo is like come up underneath it and establishing it. And so, I have faith, you know, because I, I hear from God or I see it in the scriptures for who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a child. You're supposed to be a, a, a child of God. You're supposed to be loved. You're supposed to be filled with joy. I see it. I, I see you're called to be a doctor, whatever, you know, I, I see it. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna by faith, make it real. Like that. I'm gonna establish it by my faith. That is the power that we have. That we believe what God has said and it brings it into existence. That, that's, that's the power that we've been given as, as kings and queens, as princes and princesses of this world. That, that, that's different than New Age. I'm just going to, you know, visualize and, and make what I want to have happen. No, no, no. We, we, in the context of relationship with Jesus, we agree with him, with what he said, and then we bring that into existence. We, we have the power to shape things. My dad is a consultant. Um, he does uh, safety consulting around the world. And, uh, and, and he'll go to companies like Boeing and, and, and large ones around the world. And he said that, you know, there's a lot of companies that they, um, they measure growth um, and they, they, they project out uh, based on, you know, what's, what's incrementally possible. So they, they take a 10-year goal plan um, and, and try to determine the future by, all right, well, this year I'm here. This year, next year, then I can probably maybe increase it by 5%. And, then this, and so they can track their growth and say, all right, in 10 years, after 5% of growth every year, we, we, should be, we should be around here. And so they base their future on the present or the past. He says world-class companies declare the future. And so, you know, if, if you guys are aware of it, you know, like Disney, like, I'm just, I see it. I'm going to do it. And so there's a worldliness, there's a worldly, sorry, principle where they're, they're tapping into this, you know, and they're doing it in their own way. They're doing it in their own kingdom. But we who have Christ, we actually have God with us and God behind us, and it's going to be established. You know, his kingdom will last forever, so we can do it with confidence, knowing that this is right and this is good. So that's why we study the scriptures. That's why we pray. That's why we receive from, uh, from the Lord from our prophets. That's why we honor prophets. That's why we honor prophecy, because we need to know the future. So we can declare it. We can, we can join with it and not let go on that. But it affects our relationships greatly. All right, so I want to, I want to dig into a little bit what happens when there's a gap. Because we, we may see a person here, but they're treating us here. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, sometimes we, we want to see them here because it'll make me feel good, right? You know, if you were, if you were treating me like this, then I would be, I would be better off than, than I am right now. And that's not good. That, that's not where we want to stay um, because then it's requiring that person to make you whole. And that is, of course, pointed back this way. And, and, and so we have to be really careful with that. You know? And so we, we come to the Lord for all that we need, for everything. And so what oftentimes happens is that God will say, all right, you, know, you enter into marriage and like... That's what, that's what you think is coming, and, and that's true. But then you experience it here, and there's this gap, and that feels like disappointment sometimes. And so the first thing to do, again, we've got to take the log out of our eye. 
and we have to say, oh, man, I'm looking for this, this person, and they're not satisfying me. I can't have what I want, you know, and we get frenzied and frenetic, and we get angry, and we get controlling, you know, and I've done that, you know, so maybe I'm the only one, so, and, uh, <laughs> and so what we do, is, I remember this time I was, uh, I've used this example with Elizabeth, uh, we had first gotten married, and and, uh, and early on, like, she would have a hard time hearing what I was saying. And, uh, and, and so I wanted her to look at me when, when I'm talking to her. <laughs> and because I, uh, if she wasn't going to, then, you know, maybe she wouldn't hear me. But the point of it was that, you know, she, um, uh, is that if she wasn't looking at me, then, then I was going to get, you know, I was going to feel um, disrespected. And how it happened is this, is that, you know, I'd be talking to her and she'd be looking somewhere else. And I'd, I'd find myself getting angry. I'm like, yeah, I'm angry. She's not looking at me. She should be looking at me when I'm talking to her. And, <laughs> and so I, I just kind of started thinking about it. I'm like, why do I get angry <laughs> about that? And I was praying, and the Lord was like, well, you're, you're looking to her for, for respect. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he's like, why? I'm like, because, you know, she's supposed to give me respect. You know, she's supposed to be here. And he's like, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. I'm like, well, I don't understand. He's like, I know. <laughs> he's like, David, you know, I, I respect you. Yeah, that's a good guy. I'm God. I respect you. Oh, oh, receive respect from me. I'm like, oh, oh. Okay, and so I, I, I open myself up to be respected by God. He's pleasing with me. You know, he, I, I, the fullness of Jesus is in me who conquered the world. There's, there's no higher glory, higher honor that is in me because in Jesus. We have the greatest name. No one can ever take your name from you. Whatever name you put on your business, whatever name you put on your house, on your deeds, there's no greater name that you have. You know, you, you are total respect. And so he's like, David, I've already given you respect. I'm like, oh. And because I'm looking for it here for my wife, I actually don't have it. I've given it away. So she can't, she can't offer that to you like, like that. In time, yes. But that's to fulfill her call and her identity in me, not for you. Oh, gotcha. You know, and so that began to affect things, you know. And, and, you know, and, and so we begin to have dialogues differently. I didn't have, like, anger and venom and expectation upon her. And so it is with everything. We, we start here because we see them as, as they're supposed to be. And then we have this gap in between. All right, so Jesus says, uh, forgive us our debts, you know, in, in, in the disciples' prayer, um, as we forgive those who have debts against us or have sins against us. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know, there's the Lord's Prayer. That's really disciples' prayer. Um, you guys ever wondered what that means? You know, like when Jesus says, all right, when you pray, pray like this, and then make sure when you get to this part, say, forgive us our debts. And you're like, yeah. What are debts? <laughs> Has anyone else ever had a question like that? You know, you're, you're going through the scriptures, you're like, what are you talking, debt? What do you mean debt? Money? I'm like, I don't, I don't owe anybody money. I'm like, college student loan. But that's, you know, so. All right, so forgive us our debts. Paul in Romans 13, verse 8, says that we now have this debt to love one another. We have a debt to love. So we are created in God's image to love, to be just like him, to love all the time. Love, 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 love. And so every moment of our day and every nuance of every way with relationships that we have is to love and to give that love. 
All right, well, say for a moment, I'm just, you know, I'm having a bad day, and I'm not thinking about, you know, someone else because I'm, I'm trying to live for this as opposed to for God, um, or whatever it might be, and, uh, and so I'm just turned inward, and I'm grumpy, and I'm whatever, you know, or maybe I'm just missing out on, on things, and, and I have an opportunity to love my friend or my spouse or my coworker right here, and I miss it because I'm focused on other things. That's a debt. You know, I, 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 have, I have love that I can give to them, and I, I missed it because I was thinking about myself. And guys, this happens, of course, to us all the time, so there's no condemnation in this. I have love to give to this person, and I didn't. And so now they have a, a deficit because God put them in our life, and us and them in our life, to fulfill that love for one another in, in some ways. And so we, we have now debts all the time with one another. And so if I'm aiming here, and that debt hasn't been given to me here, this, this love hasn't given to me here, then I actually will feel that as a deficit. And so if I want respect, you know, and I'm expecting it here and it's not given to me for whatever reason because we're fallen, then I need to go, and I need to first forgive that. Right, but then what do you do with what's left over? Like, all right, I've forgiven that person, but I still feel this gap that's there. I, you, they're not there yet. So I, I, I want to believe for this person. I, I see my, my son or my daughter, and I'm believing for them to be this, but they treat me like with impatience, they treat me like this, and they're not giving me honor. And like, and after a while, like with our kids, like I just want, you know, like I, I just uh, I need a break, you know, because uh, like they don't see all the love that I'm giving them, and that feels after a while like a rub. And so, what do we do with that that love? And so we, so we go to the Lord, and, and He says, you know, all that we need now for life and godliness within us, that the kingdom of heaven is within us. We, you lack nothing. You are my good shepherd. I, and so I begin to realize that wait a second, all this that I feel as a gap now, you want to give to me. So as I give this person, as I forgive that person's debt, I now have freedom to actually get it back from you, God. And so you see how this works. Like anything then that we feel as a, as a deficit, any negative in our life that we are experiencing, whatever it might be, you know, in, in, in pursuing our dreams and our hopes and relationship and whatever it might be, when we're not yet here and we feel that gap and we're believing for someone but they're not treating us with that, that due reciprocity, whatever it might be, we're not, we're not there yet. We have to go and forgive and receive from the Father everything for life, everything for Godliness, all that is from Him, and then He does and so then we feel it. We, we feel that emotion like, wow, I feel respected right now. Wow, I, I feel affirmed right now. Like, I, I wish I would have had that person call me. I, I wish that my boss would have seen the extra work I put into that, but he didn't. So I, I feel unknown. Like I, I've got this burning desire within me and no one else seems to notice it. I feel alone. Oh, Lord, I, I just forgive all those who aren't seeing me right now. I, I forgive them those debts, but I need to receive that from you. Lord, help me with that. Lord, I, I don't know if I have faith any longer to, to give to this person. I, I don't know if I have love to give to this person. I, I need this from you. Like, it's just been too hard. It's been hard, too hard believing. I don't have any more. You see, our prayer lives get affected by this. And these become our dialogues with our Father. This becomes our, our secret, our, our prayer life. This is where we come, and, and we, get, we get filled all the time. And so like, it, it, it charges me up to know that this is our God. You know, how did Jesus do this all the time? Like, everyone betrayed him. You know, like John was saying, like, like listen, I, 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 Jesus is like, I believe for that encounter, but everyone's going to walk out of me. How did he do it, and how did he walk to the cross, you know, with joy set before him, forgiving everyone? It's a continuous verb in the Greek. He was continuously forgiving people. Father, forgive them if they don't know what to do. And how did he possibly do that? He was full. He was whole. And as he is in the world, so also are you. You're just like him in this. So this is good news. So again, Hebrews 11 Faith is the substance. It, 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 is, it is that which comes underneath it. It fulfills. And so 
Peter says, and this is a huge verse for y'all, so I'm going to make sure I get it right. So in 2 Peter, and this we'll close out with this, sorry, in 1 Peter 1, 13, 1 Peter 1, 13, you, know, you guys know the verse that says, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's true. So we're, we're, we're hoping for this. We're believing for this. But after a time, we're like, oh, man, this is this hard. And after a time, we're like, okay, this is not going to work. And, and after a time, we're just like, oh, man, like, I just feel down. It's just not working out the way I thought it would. Where we place our hope is a huge deal. Verse 13 of 1 Peter. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Place all of your hope on the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so whatever Jesus says to you is going to happen, whatever you're believing for in that person according to the scriptures, he in time will reveal that. And in faith, we receive from him that which we long for now, in the current present. We place our hope on Jesus. I know that you're going to do this, and so I, I pull from Jesus. Jesus is fullness of peace. So imagine this, like, all right, how would you feel, like, if, uh, you know, if, if suddenly, you know, this addiction thing that was with a friend of yours, or this, you know, way that your spouse looks at you, or this, uh, this business situation that just doesn't even have breakthrough, and I, and I keep on hitting my head against the wall, what if it changed? How would you feel? Would you feel more peaceful? Would you feel full of life? Would you feel like you accomplished something? Would you feel, whatever. Take that need, that desire, which is awesome and good, and take it off of the result, take it off of here, and place it in Jesus, and then receive it right now. So instead of letting the circumstance fill you, because there's going to be delays, there's going to be wilderness times, there's going to be you having to believe for it before it's there, place all that hope in Jesus, because he's the one that fulfills all things. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. And then receive from him right now. Just like that. You know, how would you feel if your spouse loved you this way? Great. Receive it right now from Jesus. Put it off of her or him and receive it right now. You know, if this colleague that's just continuously nagging you, if this problem would finally go away, how would you feel? Hopeful? Peaceful? Thankful? All right. Great. Take it off of that. Take it off of here and place it in Jesus. And then you believe for it with Christ because you have it from here and you put it into existence. So we're the fragrance of life to those who are living because we have this presence now that's within us. In Isaiah 32, now you are princes and princes. You're queens and kings. And so you have this presence in you now and they come in contact with that. I, I've seen it time and time again. Like, you know, couples will come and, and I'll, I'll, I'll do some work with them. And, uh, and that, that there's one spouse that's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. There's a kid that's like, I'm just not seeing how, the way things be and they're, and they're acting out badly. All right, well, they need an encounter. All right, so who first gets the encounter? You do. You pull it from Jesus, and suddenly you have peace when you're encountering that person. That's the presence of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. Now when you reveal it, they hit it. And now they're like, oh, that's, that's the kingdom of heaven. So they, they test it. They, they, they're going to treat you this way again, and they get back peace. They get back joy. And they're like, oh, that's an encounter. You just then released heaven upon them because you sought after yourself. You're not seeking after them. You're seeking after Jesus. And then suddenly they have a contact now with the living God. That's the encounter that Jesus has been saying, yes, that's what's going to change the person. That's going to change the world. We do it day in and day out. Do you guys see how this works? Can I get an amen with that? Is that I mean, are you guys there? All right. All right, can you guys go for this? All right. I mean, this is profound, y'all. If, if you know, and you will, and we're all going to walk this out. This is how we create harmony. This is like, and so 
write some things down, take this message, go home in this next week or whatever, and, and ask God, hey, listen, like, give me one thing, thing, ten things, a uh, hundred things to, to have faith for, to, to pray for, but I need, to, I need to know it here. I need, to, I need to be full here. Take things that are disappointments right now, and let me have it now on you as I let go of that here. You're not letting go of it happening. You're letting go of the need for it in your own life first. Uh, all right. So I, uh, I just want to pray that up, you guys. Father, this message is all about Jesus. Uh, Jesus, Lord, you, you didn't hide anything. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. God, Dad, it's your good pleasure. Lord, it, you have, you've, you've hid nothing from us. You've given it to us, and your heart is open right now. Your heart is wide open to give every one of us all that we need, peace and love and fulfillment, and, 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 and that you hear us and see us, and that, that we're heard, that we're known, that, that you know those little things that we do. You, you know the things that we ask for. You, you know these things, and, and that we can, we can receive these now. And so what, what I ask right now, that you would bring up just one thing, but maybe multiple things, to every person in this room that they've been longing for, where their hope has been deferred, Whatever it is, Lord, just highlight one thing right now, Lord. Uh, Father, your, your son Jesus, he, he poured out his life so that the, the, the kingdom of heaven can be poured into abundantly, bubbling over, super abundantly, Lord, every person in here right now. So, Lord, whatever that one thing is, or multiple things right now, as that person lets that go to you, as, as, they, as, they, as they seek that from you, Lord, now, Holy Spirit, I just release you. Fill them in that spot. Where faith has been hard, Lord, and, and they, they want to believe. Lord, fill them in that space now. Where they have felt neglected, where they, where they have felt like their purpose is not being met, where they feel like they've wasted them things, Lord, take that and give that to you. Where they, where they feel like failures, Lord. Let them now place that upon your shoulders, Jesus, and receive that desire, that need right now, that, that hope, that realize, that substance, that presence from you now. The kingdom of heaven, it's, it's within them. And I, I call it forth right now. Fill every person in here, wherever they are right now, online here, Lord, your kingdom is everywhere. Oh, more, Lord. Lord, I, I just ask for more. Lord, each one of us are eternal beings with a capacity for the fullness of God who dwelt in Jesus Christ, who dwells in us. We have capacity for the fullness of God to fill every place in our heart, to overflowing. First, to simply experience that and to know that, to know oneness with you and to, to have you in us fully realized. And then two, so that can be given away and our expressions toward our neighbors can be that of hope and joy and peace and, and guilelessness and nothing hidden and blamelessness and seeing them for who they are in you. Oh Lord, we've, we've seen people according to our judgments, our, our biases, our prejudices. We, we've seen them according to uh, the flesh. Forgive us. We have planks in our own eye. We, we've, we've done this, God. And, and Lord, I just, I, I, I give that to you, Jesus. All of it, for all of us right now, Lord. Just agree with it. We, we give our sight to you. We give those planks to you. <sighs> and where we have now, Lord, bring healing and, and wholeness, Lord. Bring identity, bring change, Lord. And this, is, this is all you, Jesus. 
Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you for giving us of your life, for pouring it out. Thank you for believing in us before we believed in ourselves. Lord, the cost of it is confronting those areas of darkness within and then also around us to confront the world that doesn't want that yet, but is going to. Oh, Jesus, more. Come on, Lord, there's, there's more. Lord, I, I, your kingdom is coming now in this room. Your kingdom is coming now in this room. And I thank you for it. I sense it flowing like a river. Oh, God, thank you. More, Lord. Lord, there are things that, Jesus, you had in mind that when you said, you know, things about the, the, the Sabbath and how you heal on the Sabbath, it, it confronted the religious rulers at the time. And, and they fought you for it. Lord. They, they killed you for it. There are things, Lord, that people in this room are revealing about who you are and people are, are fighting them for it. They're getting spit on about it. There's a better way that you're revealing and people don't understand it. And so for all those people right now, Lord, let them know that first that's your heart for them. Let them know that you have fellowship with you in the middle of that. Let them know your comfort. Let them know your peace. Let them know your confidence. Let them know the attaboy, the attagirl. Let them know the, the joy that you are willingly, Lord, putting yourself at risk and vulnerable every single day when you showed them that love. Father, remind them that in the same way that they get hurt sometimes, revealing their goodness, re revealing your kingdom. My people, they don't see it yet, and they said fight or bite. Let them know the Lord that that's what it was like for you. Let them feel your fellowship. Bring healing, Lord. And now wholeness, Lord, there's more. Keep coming, Lord. Keep coming, Lord. There's things that you're speaking now to people. I'm just gonna give you some time right now to have some time with God. The Father, he's speaking things to your hearts. There's things that you guys have hoped for. You're like, I don't want to hope for that anymore. He's like, put your hope fully in me and then see that again clearly. Father, speak to your people right now. Father, there's people that need to see that face with unhidden emotion. Show them your face shining upon them. Show them your unhidden, unfettered love for them, your delight in them. They are treasures. Show them your, your protection, your jealousy, your comfort for them. Lord. Show them your safety. Show them how you guard them. Whatever it is, Lord. Jesus, there's people that need to see your eyes. Father, there are folks that have felt judged before and that, that has just stuck with them. Let them see your eyes. See how judgment has passed. You've taken that from them, Lord. Father, there's people this week that want to try this. They, they, they want to look at their spouse anew. They want to look at their children anew. They want to look at their parents anew. They want to look at their friends, whoever else. They want to look at them in this way, according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. But they need courage. Give them courage. Give them a full heart. Brother, it's a, it's a, it's a scary thing sometimes to be vulnerable, to truly let those emotions be known. Fill that space, Lord. Give them courage, Lord. Let them step out. Show them an area where they can step up. Show them a person they can show that heart to. Give them just one, Lord, but maybe many. Remind them this week of this, that they can do it, that they can do it. They've got what it takes. They can do this. 
you all can do this. The Father's with you. You can do this. You can show the love of the Father. You can let your own heart be exposed. You can let people know your love for them, the Father's love for them, in whatever ways. You can do this. He'll be with you. He'll help you recover when it doesn't work out. All that. He's got all of it for you. You're resilient. You can do this. He's got your back. Ah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, Jesus, thank you for this space, this time. I just released this message to you. Trust you to it now from now on, Lord, this week. Hallelujah, Lord.